building a company from nothing is freaking hard. Us entrepreneurs are expected to deal with unimaginable challenges and somehow keep a cool head through it all. This is The Art of Entrepreneurship, and I'm your host, Jackie Hermes. I grew my company, Excelity, from zero to seven figures with no partners and no funding. The Art of Entrepreneurship is a show where we cut through the BS and dig into what it actually takes to start and grow a company. If you give me your time, I promise it won't be wasted. Now let's get to work. Hello and welcome back to The Art of Entrepreneurship and happy Monday if you are in fact listening to this on a Monday. Today, we're actually switching it up a little bit and we have our guest on the first episode of the week, The Big Questions with a Short Answer. And I'm really excited about this topic because it's something that I have never talked about before on this podcast. And actually, I had never even heard of the term employee supremacy before I met today's guest, Andy Alsup. The high-level idea of employee supremacy is that for decades, companies operated under a model of shareholder supremacy, which basically means they made all the decisions about money and they do what's best to create value for shareholders. And that benefits the few select people that are at the top of every company. Well, now, as you see, the power is really shifting into the hands of employees and Andy's employee supremacy model is basically a playbook for what businesses should be doing today. So I can't wait to have this conversation with Andy and welcome him to the show. Hey, Andy, thank you so much for being with me today. I love being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. This is a topic that we've never talked about. And actually, before you reached out to me, I had never heard the term employee supremacy before. I would love if we could start with you just defining that term and what it means to you. Okay. So it really is a contrast and I try to make it as simple as possible. Shareholder supremacy is the way that companies have been operated for a couple of decades, basically. Mm -hmm. goes back to the 30s. But essentially what shareholder supremacy says is that as the leaders of organizations, you need to be doing everything you can to increase the shareholder value. So it basically means that you need to put your shareholders in front of all your decision making. Let's contrast that. What I've come up with and what something that we're doing at our company is employee supremacy. And that means that all of the decisions we're making are in the benefit of the employees. And why do we do that? Because employees are the ones who are out there in front of your customers every day. Like when was the last time your shareholders went to, if you have shareholders and you may be, you know, the, the, the only shareholder in your company, we have shareholders, but how many times does your shareholder actually go out there and talk to customers? or solve a support problem, or figure out the marking. That's not who's doing the work. The employees are doing the work. So instead of just saying I'm an employee first company, you're actually saying at a leadership level, our employees are the focus. That is employee supremacy. Yeah, it's so interesting to me that, well, one, this is just now catching on, right? Like employees now have the power. And even though companies have gotten away with treating employees kind of like crap for a long time. There are some companies where you go and read the Glassdoor reviews and it's like, my God, how did they get here, right? With even those reviews are just a small, tiny little sliver of you know how people actually feel. And some of them are just scathing and terrible. 
You said in one of your first messages to me that investing in employees is a better bet for growing companies than investing in the equity for investors, which I think is, I mean, it's true, but also a little counterintuitive. I, I think one of the reasons that you're here is because you know I agree with that and I try to live that in my company every day. I think our culture page even says like we make decisions based on people and we don't make decisions that are profit first. Now, on the flip side, I think a lot of people think when you make decisions like that, you can't make any money. And I just told you, I think I've made our CFO unhappy because I you know, refuse to take his people-related advice often because it's only looking at the money. How does investing in employees pay out in the long term? And tell me how companies can balance between focusing on employee investment and making a profit. Well, if you invest in your employees, you see, I believe, almost instant returns. Mm -hmm. So what happens is that when profits go down, or if you need to cut expenses, just like you talked about with your CFO, you go and make decisions that are in the benefit of the shareholders, basically, right? You're trying to say, okay, I'm going to increase profits. I'm going to reduce expenses because that's what I need to do for my shareholders. But let's turn it around for a second. Let's say that instead you're focusing on your employees. When you're focusing on your employees, you're looking out at what's, what is the, what's going to benefit them What's, what are, what's going to um, help them feel more secure, going to feel more confident about the company they're, they're with? What does that do? Those are the people who are sitting in front of your customers. And if they're feeling solid and secure and not seen as some sort of maybe pawn in the game of uh, raising shareholder value, then what they're doing is they're trusting each other. They're trusting the company. And then they're doing what's in the best interest of the company, not just because they're told to or told that they're going to lose their job or because maybe if profits go down, they're going to get laid off. They're doing it because they have a a trust and a faith that if they invest in the company, just like the company has been investing in them, things are going to go well. Customers are going to be happy. You're going to make more sales and the customers are going to get an authentic experience. And that is critically important. We get all sorts of reviews on G2 and all the different review sites. Almost all of them say, we've had an experience that we've had unlike any other company. What's going to happen when that happens? They're telling other people about the company. So it's just sort of a self-fulfilling machine, basically, when you you operate this way. But it is a shift shift in mentality. Business schools aren't teaching this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mentors aren't teaching this it's a different way of thinking about it. And if you can just kind of shift into that thinking, all of a sudden your decision-making at leadership teams becomes so much easier. Yeah, I think it is a huge shift to change from leading from a place of fear to leading from a place of that faith and inspiring people to do better. I was just having a conversation with someone yesterday about this, about how how I try to react when a client leaves the company. Um, we recently, like I just told you, we had a client that laid off 40% of the company and with that, they gutted the entire department that we were working with. And so, of course, our contract went with it. And it was not a small contract for the company. And so it is a big deal. And at the same time, I know we're going to figure it out and it's not a big deal, you know, and I don't want to make anyone feel 
bad, especially because they didn't do anything wrong, right? They would still be here with us. And in fact, the marketing manager we talked to after he was laid off and he said, well, you know, I'll hit you up when I get my next job. So, you know, I think we were doing a lot of things right. And someone yesterday suggested like, oh, well, maybe it's good that the team has a little bit of fear about this. And I was like, what? I don't want them to be scared, you know, because at the end of the day, in my company, I am the shareholder and I know that it's my job to figure out what comes next to solve that problem. And I don't want them up at night worrying about it when it's not up to them to, to fix the problem. And they didn't really even do anything to cause the problem anyway. Yeah. And I think basically what I think you're talking about is an infinite mindset. Mm -hmm. not one of a finite mindset. What are we doing in this quarter? What are we doing in the next 90 days? It's about really the long game. Yeah. And I love that because you were playing the long game. You're basically saying, we want to do what's in the best interest of the client. I want to do in the best interest of the, of the employees. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that we are a good company in the end that is respected. So I think that the way you handle that, it's just, that's, I, I love that. I love that. Cause that's just along the lines of of this kind of infinite mindset that that all comes from Simon Sinek and the infinite game, yes. something I love, but yeah. Yes. I love Simon Sinek too. Um, one thing I wanted to talk to you about today is core values and culture. I think both of these terms, people think they're important and all companies are like, we have a great culture and we all live by our core values. But I often find that it's more something that people give lip service to than something that people actually live and breathe. I would love your thoughts on how companies really of any size can create a culture and create core values that employees actually believe in and live out every day. So yeah, definitely. I have a lot of thoughts on this one as well. So um, our, our core values are fabric, fun, authentic, bold, respectful, innovative, and collaborative. Mm -hmm. We have them on the walls and it's so easy to say we have these on our walls and everything else, but you really absolutely have to live them. And so when you live under an employee supremacy, it's, you can actually integrate them much more easily. If you're living under shareholder supremacy and it's all about making money and just, you know, essentially raising shareholder value you're not necessarily going to focus on what the needs of the employees are. But when you lead, and the first thing you do, and I'll be honest with you, I'll step back. Earlier in my entrepreneurial career, I thought core values and all that other stuff was a bunch of BS. Like, okay, you know, and it's yeah. like, oh, it's a bunch of fluff that everybody says, you know. But I have found in, in the receptionist in our company now, we live our core values. We actually have a, a culture club and then as a club within the company that is focused on making sure that we're constantly living our core values. So we give awards for things for each one of the individual um, core values that we have. Mm -hmm. So it's something that if you are living in a company that you believe that the people who are doing all of the work come first, it becomes a lot easier to be focused on your core values and actually leading with them and leading with kind of the heart of the company. Again, in the infinite game, not in a short term. And like, what are we going to do this quarter? It's more about like, how do we bring those core values in? And how do we actually make them a principal part of everything we do? How do we begin our decision making with it? As opposed to this thing that we did last quarter and oh yeah, what was it again? So 
just tack instead of tacking it on to the end like oh we should probably incorporate our core values i see <laughs> exactly. people doing that all the time and i'm like no it drives me crazy and you can feel when it's disingenuous right and you can feel when it's contrived versus when it really is part of like the core the fabric no no two puns intended i guess <laughs> you know of, of what you're doing tell me a little bit about leaders and decision-making, like how can they make better decisions that make employees feel valued and help them have more autonomy? And ultimately, like how can leaders help employees be excited about the work that they're doing? Well, that's, that's another interesting one because um, there's something I, I call job trauma that comes from past jobs. And um, basically every one of the leaders in our organization have had job trauma at one point or another. And so it's been very difficult for them when they first, uh, sort of came to the company or were looking at a job and saw what we were doing. And we talked about what we were doing. They're like, I don't know if I buy it. I've been in a lot of other companies that talk about this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And when, and the same thing for employees as well, because the employees come in with job trauma, they've had we have one employee where they basically said, we're going to invest in your department, but oh, by the way, we're going to reduce your salary as we try to launch this new product. And then the poor employee is saying, oh yeah, you're really investing in me. So we've had that where they come into the company. And then when you're living under strong values and you're also under living under employee supremacy, you can sort of see first few weeks, they're like, I don't believe this. I don't believe this is happening. They're two months in. Oh, wait, it actually is happening. I can trust the other people I'm around. And then they're six months in. And we have employees, we actually have had only one employee leave the company in the six years that we've been around. Only one person's left. We've had to let some people go. That's part of what happens. You know, you end up having to exit employees, but you do it in a really humane way and you make sure they're taken care of and they go on to their next thing. Mm -hmm. But of the, the one employee who left actually went on to a career that we couldn't offer that person at this time. He wanted to lead an iOS dev team. We only had one iOS dev position. So we were happy for him. He went on for on to the next position. So it's that kind of stuff where you are essentially creating this foundation where people can trust and actually be able to, to thrive is essentially how it, we've been able to succeed with that in terms of, of your question. That's fantastic. And especially with you know, the great resignation, everything that happened, I, it seems to be slowing down a little bit right now. But I mean, it was a crazy last year, year and a half. The fact that you were able to retain all of those employees is incredible. I have one more question for you. If someone is listening to this podcast and they want to take action right now, what is the best thing that they can do next? Like what is one actionable way that they can go and start to make a shift toward employee supremacy starting today? So um, I've actually done a five-part series podcast. I would highly recommend it. They're 30 minutes each, kind of using your great philosophy, which is don't make them too long. And they're very <laughs> consumable, but it is essentially a, uh, you can, it's, it's a recipe for how you can implement employee supremacy at your company. It is something that I, I feel so strongly about this. This isn't something I'm hoping to grow my company around or that I want to become rich from. This is something I feel so strongly about in my heart that this is a better way to run a company 
that everything I do is putting resources out in hopes that other leaders like yourself and others out there who are saying, I don't want to do it the way it's been done. I don't want to do this whole thing of shareholder supremacy where I have to focus on my shareholders when really the people who are getting the work done are the employees and my team and all the people I work with. I want those entrepreneurs to to go and and learn about employee supremacy. So my company is thereceptionist.com and that's where it's hosted, but it's uh, thereceptionist.com slash employee supremacy. You can put an employee supremacy receptionist. That's one that's going to be one of the first things that comes up in Google. So that's kind of where I'd recommend. It's a great place to start. And it's really the path that we took from me going from this terrible place of uh, shareholder supremacy to this place of employee supremacy where I've really felt like I'm growing a company the way I want to. I sleep really, I tell everybody this, I sleep really well at night. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy what I'm doing. I really love what I'm doing and I'm having a great time doing it. Yeah, I definitely know the uh, like the idea of being able to sleep better because you're treating people appropriately and exactly just it's the right thing to do, right? And it is. I think that a lot of people are starting to open up to and see that, you know, the way that companies have been run the last, oh God, I don't know how many years, it's just not, it's not okay. And it is the thing that leads to the massive amounts of turnover that companies experience and, you know, the draining of profits that comes from, that comes from that. So I really appreciate you joining me today. This was an amazing conversation for everyone that wants to check out the podcast series that Andy just mentioned. I am going to leave that in the show notes for you. And if you got value out of today, I encourage you to just share this episode with one person, one person that's running a company that you think should know more about employee supremacy. And I will talk to you next time. Thank you so much. 